Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Fordyce. We are getting closer and closer to that October 15th regular season opener at the Wells Fargo Center. There are no more preseason games in Philadelphia. The next time the Flyers are on the ice in Philly, it will be for that opener that I think everyone is really excited for. But there are two more preseason games left, two more of the six the Flyers had this exhibition slate. So we have plenty to evaluate, plenty to look at. So we're going to get into it. We're going to look at a player that has impressed us most in camp, a player that has not impressed us and probably wants to do more or needs to do more and maybe to land a roster spot. And then we're going to also look at one roster battle that you know we're still watching and evaluating closely. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Taryn, I will start with you. Which player in preseason has impressed you most? Ooh, um, I have like three. Uh, <laughs> I would say... Probably a little recency bias because he played well last night. Carter Hart is up there, which you needed to see. Ryan Ellis is a new guy coming in, which has been very impressive. But I think the guy that I found most impressive because it seemed like he addressed a huge issue that he had last year was Travis Konechny. Um, He's come in. He's looked really fast in practice. He's looked like he's had jumped. Um, you know, A.V. has said he's one of the top two to three condition, two to three guys conditioning-wise this season. Uh, spent a lot of his summer here, training here, using all the resources here in South Jersey. Also, by the way, once again, back in my childhood bedroom that my mom used as a closet. So please don't mind the hoarder background behind me. Um, That's why I said here in South Jersey, because I'm currently in South Jersey. Um, But yeah, I think Travis has been really impressive because a big part of why he got off to such a hot start in 2019-2020 had to do with how much jump he had and how physically ready he looked from the very beginning of the season that year. And he had a lot of points really early that year. Uh, And he looks like he's back there now. Um, I I don't, people can say whatever they want about this take. I don't judge as much off of preseason games, the exception of maybe goaltenders or guys trying to make the team Um, for guys already on the team. I really just want to see them stay healthy and see what kind of condition they're in. And if they have chemistry with their line mates, that's, more what I look at when it comes to those games. But um, I think TK has come in and looked like he is very fit once again, and he looks very game ready once again, which the fly, I mean, quite frankly, they need that. They needed that last year from him um, and they're going to need it again this season. Uh, Obviously I think they want him to be a top line guy. And if you're going to be a top line guy and the team's only all-star in what the past two seasons now, then, um, you know, you need to get going and look like a professional. And I think he came in this year and he looks like he handled his summer like a pro, um, especially given the fact that, oh, by the way, him and him and his significant other, Carly, have a, have a newborn child at home. So that's been the most reassuring for me, I'll say, outside of Carter. Um, but I think we've had a lot of chat about Carter. I'm sure we'll have more today. So, um, 
yeah, I'm going to go with, with TK just to, to mix it up because I do think it's important. And I think it's something that's not been talked about quite enough because it should be the expectation. Um, but last year I think was, you know, a really disappointing year for him in more ways than one, both when it came to restrictions placed on him coming into the season and then the way he performed in the season, uh, this year, it's very obvious that those restrictions were lifted to some extent for him. And he took full advantage of having resources at, at his disposal, everything from ice time to weight room availability to trainers, to, you know, recovery, nutritionists, all of it. Um, and he looks, he looks very physically fit. He looks very fast in practice against, you know, his, his teammates who are expected to play in games. I, I'm talking about top line top pair defensemen, um, top six line players as far as forwards go. And you need to see that. You need to see it early and often from TK. So that's uh, reassuring to me. Yeah, two of them. You know, I was going to say, gonna say yeah, go Karen, George, I was going to say just to follow up on Travis, you know, this is com- pretty much completely the opposite of the feel we got last year in camp. Now, last year was a whole different animal. There barely was a camp. But Travis almost – admitted to Taryn and I on, a, on our uh, uh, media day Zoom interview that he was not in shape. And he made the comment about learning that his metabolism wasn't as good as he thought it was. And, you know, this year you get a whole different aura about him. Um, like he's a, a different guy and a different player. And let's hope that translates to the regular season because, you know, that's, that's, that is the connect me that all Flyers fans coaches that everybody has been waiting to see and wants to see and quite frankly didn't see enough of it last year if at all so I I think that's an encouraging sign for for everyone including you know obviously for the most part Travis do you have two foundation pieces two young foundation pieces that the Flyers are looking uh for rebound seasons from and that's Travis Konechny and Carter Hart two guys that Taryn mentioned uh that have looked really good in the preseason I thought something that was telling about Travis Konechny was after the third preseason game when the Flyers trotted out what looks like could be their season opening lineup. Uh, Konechny didn't score, but he looked like the 2019-20 Travis Konechny and Mike Yo went up to Elaine Vigneault after the game and said that was TK from two years ago. Uh, so, yeah, I could not agree more with both of you and Taryn saying how, how good he looks and in shape. Uh, that has to sound like music to ears of Flyers fans. Joe Fordyce, who has impressed you most so far through the preseason and training camp? Yeah, so like Taryn, I have a number of, of guys in my mind. Uh, I'll just briefly mention that Keith Yandel and Ryan Ellis on the point in the power play, I'm particularly impressed with how quickly they get the puck effectively to the net. Um, you know, we saw Ellis make a play a couple games ago, shooting the puck, you know, purposefully wide and kind of creating an opportunity I believe Maxim Shushko scored that goal. Um, And, you know, those are the kind of things we haven't really seen a ton on the Flyers power play. Maybe since when, back when Kimo Timonen and, you know, was at the point there. Um, So those, those aspects, those two new players running the power play play units have impressed me, but I'm going to say overall, Joel Farabee for me, because um, I kind of wondered if what we saw last year, because I, I think at times last year, uh, if not through the whole season, Joel was the only bright spot for this team. 
Um, he was consistently there. He was consistently scoring goals and consistently driving play. And I wondered if that was just going to continue or if it was going to be, I mean, I know he was up the previous season, but if you were going to kind of get some of that sophomore slumpish type of play after such a big performance, um, I know his kind of rookie and second year were kind of meshed because of the COVID and, um, but he doesn't show any signs of slowing down. And in fact, he may be showing signs of being even better than he was last year. And, you know, who knows, maybe he does push for a spot on that first line. I don't think any of us have him slated to play there, but if he's scoring the kind of goals that he scored last year and that he's shown thus far in the preseason, you got to figure you're going to see him on that top line at some point this season. He, he looks like a dominant player, both skill-wise, physically. He drives the play on the ice, and you never don't notice when he's on the ice, which I think is a key thing in today's NHL player. Um, I always bring up this, a guy like Sidney Crosby, somebody like that. You never don't notice them in a game. Yeah. Um, they never blend in in a game. And I think Joel had the look last year and in the preseason thus far, one of those guys that you notice every time he's on the ice and you're now expecting things to happen when he's on the ice. And, you know, from a guy that's that young, um, the, the idea that he could be even better than last year has to be refreshing to the coaching staff, the fans, to everybody, you know, looking at this, uh, at this young kid is one of the key pieces of the future of this team. Yeah. And he might be one of their most versatile players too, from positional and lineup flexibility uh, reasons, because like, I feel, I have a feeling he'll play like lower in the lineup at times. And it'll be purely because the flyers want to get a certain player going. They want to start, get that player um, in a groove offensively. So they're playing him higher in the lineup and they probably can say to themselves, well, we know what we're getting from Joel Farabee, like playing with anyone or anywhere in the lineup, and then we're going to get the same Joel Farabee. Um, so I think he could easily be on the first line of the top unit power play, but they're trying to allocate minutes and, and make sure other players are happy and, and getting good responsibilities. But he can really do everything. I even thought it was pretty telling. He scored two goals in that game at TD Garden against the Bruins. The very next day, he's the first player on the ice before practice. Uh, well before the practice was starting. I have a feeling the contract uh, that he got this all season is going to motivate him even more. Like, I think when players get the contracts, they get the years and the money, they feel like, oh, I really need to, I really need to live up to that and make sure I'm being a pro and being out there. So, yeah, if there's one guy I don't think anyone has to worry about, it's Joel Farabee, right, Taryn? Yeah, I, I think that, um, and this is, I'm saying this with all due respect to Scott Lawton, because I think at times in certain seasons, he's been a lot more valuable than people give him credit for. I think with more, Joel, Joel has the versatility that Scott Lawton has to a certain extent, um, but more specifically along the wing, I know Scott can jump from center to wing. Um, in terms of top six, bottom six, with more top six potential. I think you could put Joel on a third line certain games, like like you were mentioning, Jordan, to get certain guys going. Let's say you want to get them on a line with when Kevin Hayes comes back. Let's say you want to get, um, you know, uh, a more offensive winger who needs, you know, Kevin to play a bit more defensively and maybe wants them with Oscar Lindblom because Oscar has that Swedish hockey IQ, like they mentioned. You could put Joel down on a third line. Let's say, let's say they want to get like JVR going. 
And so they work JVR up into that second line somehow because he's he's in a down streak and they want to pop him back up. Um, you could you could play around with the lineup and tinker around with it enough and put Joel down on the third line as a result of all of that. And you know, I know Elaine Vino kind of goes more like A line, B line, C line than going true one, two, three. But I think Joel can handle the physicality now of playing against bottom six guys, even though he's still not the biggest player. I think he's figured out how to use his physicality in a way where he could hang there, be efficient, add depth, play well, and also uh, allow the flexibility to maybe move things around, whether it's playing with guys at center or wing that bumps him down, or maybe it's, you know, like I said before, moving around a, a JVR in order to get him going if they're trying to get, get a streak worked up. Um, I think you could play around with Joel a lot within the lineup from first to third. I probably wouldn't put him on a fourth line because I think it's just a waste of his talent um, in order to allocate for other players who maybe are a little bit more high maintenance in other areas. Um, but I, I think, you know, to that tune, I think Scott Lawton has shown that kind of versatility up and down the line, versatility up and down the lineup. But I think Joel has more top six viability maybe than Scott does. But having that in your lineup is something, especially out of how old is Joel? 21 now out of a 21 year old is, is really great. Especially when you have certain players now in those top, like you have a lot of players that you could arguably put in a top two on top two lines across any team in the league. Now that you're talking about, Lindblom looks healthy, looks fast, and he's incredibly smart, and we know that. Uh, Cam Atkinson, what are you going to do with him if you have a TK, Giroux, Couturier top line? You'd assume Atkinson's a second-line guy. But that's what I mean. You, you have so much moving, so many moving parts now that having Joel, who is still very low maintenance in terms of ego and very high value in terms of versatility, becomes an all-time Tetris piece within your lineup which is great, especially, you know, when you're taught, it's very obvious, we've said it a million times that Chuck Fletcher is trying to build a high character locker room, a group of guys who plays for each other. Having a young guy who's highly skilled, but doesn't have a lot of ego yet, um, hopefully ever, um, is, is invaluable to this team. I really do think so. You know what, Jordan, I'll just follow up too on what you had said and, and Taryn uh, commented about the playing them on the third line. Um, if you looked last year, and I think the last couple of years in the league, a trend has been you play a winger on your third line at even strength that plays top power play minutes. And you alluded to that just a minute or so ago about Joel possibly being in that role. Um, that seemed to be that seems to be a trend in the league now is to play a hot power play guy as a winger on your third line. Also, you know, we've seen Elaine Vigneault. I don't know that he necessarily coaches the lines one through four as traditionally as some other coaches do. I mean, we've talked to plenty on this podcast about how he, um, he, he would give credit to his fourth line a ton. And by the way, he, uh, you know, shouts out Connor Bunneman again last night. A, a topic that we talked about on this podcast is Elaine Vigneault's affinity for Connor Bunneman and what he does for a line that he centers. So you know, that he um, showed that again last night. But, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily, oh, well, he plays third line, so he's going to play a lot less minutes than guys in the first line. I don't think that's really how Aline Vigneault coaches. Um, 
he he does it a little more of a hot hand sort of approach where if the third line's rolling, then the third line's going to play. The fourth line's rolling, the fourth line's going to play. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily um, a waste of Joel's talent if he were to play third line wing, top power play, something like that, a combination like that. I w- as Taryn said, I wouldn't play him with a fourth line because that would be a waste of, of talent because, I mean, your fourth line's generally not going to get close to what the, the top two, but I, I think the third line could be comparable with the top two with the way this roster is currently constructed. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll go for myself. I'll go more positional theme. I'll go just the new faces on defense. I think everyone so far so good. Um, and that was the biggest objective of the Flyers offseason was revamping the defense. And I feel like we've seen all the qualities we were thinking and expecting out of the three newcomers on defense with Keith Yandel, Ryan Ellis, and Rasmus Ristolainen. Um, all three have impressed me uh, in different areas. Keith Yandel has shown he can really quarterback a power play. We're seeing why he's played in 1,000-plus games, why he's played in 922 straight. Um, not not going to bulldoze you over in the defensive zone, but just real smart. And uh, is reliable. He's not going to hurt you, and he'll, he'll provide offense. Ryan Ellis just does everything. He's always in the right spot. Uh, real smart guy. He leads the team uh, in shots in the preseason, uh, entering Tuesday night's game. Um, and as you can tell, a, a real all-situation guy. And then Rasmus Ristolainen, I loved his physicality the other night. He was hitting guys. He was standing up for teammates. And uh, he's providing a little offense. He had an assist. I think he can defend better than people think. Um, and I just love that he's – uh, going out there and willing to hit people and, and stand up for teammates. Uh, he had those two big hits right after Claude Drew took one in the first period the other night. Um, I think Philly is really going to enjoy him. Uh, when he's on the ice, you keep an eye on him because he might do something fun in that regard. So the positional theme of defense, the newcomers, I'll go, uh, has really impressed me. Jordan, I'll say I, that um, – go ahead, Taryn. I, um, I think – Okay, Jordan, I'm, I'm with you there. I do think that uh, I do want to see a, a little more from Rasmus or Salidin, if I'm being honest. And he scares me a little bit, and I don't really want to say that out loud. But <laughs> very early on, and, and I won't say who, but if there's another beat writer who I think feels me on this. Very early on, there were a few, and it's pride is chemistry, and it was very early in training camp, and we all overanalyzed very early because – you know, what else are we to do? Um, <clears throat> but there were a few moments early in training camp where Rasmus Ristolainen did a little bit of Rasmus Ristolainen on Buffalo type things in a not great way that um, made me think, oh boy, if this happens like opening night, the Flyers Twitter, which, you know, say what you will about it anyway, because it's Twitter. It's a dumpster fire all the time is, is going to have a field day. Um, but I, I agree, Jordan. I, I thought that the hits, especially after the, the Giroux hit were exactly why you bring a player like that here. And it's great to see, and it's great to see his physicality. And I think he'll only get better, but early in training camps, there were, there was a few moments where I was like, Oh God, get it out of your system now. Um, and I think that's why all of us didn't publicly overanalyze it then because it's like the first couple of days of training camp. But Jordan, I know you know what I'm talking about because we were there in the room together and we were both kind of like, okay. Um, but I do, I do want to see, 
I'm still like, I'm very optimistic on Rasmus Ristolainen. I, I am like so sold on Ryan Ellis and Keith Yandel already. Like Ryan Ellis has come out and done everything you want him to do and more. And I think that everybody is like already, okay, the return on investment in this is going to be great. And I think Keith Yandel in the power play, you say the same thing. Rasmus is still like, he's like a cat. You're trying to figure out his vibe and you're not sure. So, uh, I'm optimistic, but I still, I still, I'm sorry, Rasmus Stalinen, you terrify me, but um, I still want to see a little bit more out of Rasmus. I'm being, if I'm being honest. I, I think that, um, that as far where, as far as Rasmus goes, when is the last time you remember uh, the Flyers having a physically imposing defenseman? Um, I, I'm going to say it was probably Chris Pronger. Now, before anybody jumps down my throat, I am not comparing Rasmus Ristolainen to a Hall of Famer in Chris Pronger. I'm not doing that. I'm saying the last time they had a physically imposing defenseman may have been Chris Pronger. Robert Haig was a great physical player, but he didn't go out there and seek it out. He did it when it was necessary, and he was probably the best defenseman in terms of hitting and physicality on this team for the last couple of years. But the combination of Rasmus has the skill to go with that, uh, where he can be a threat offensively as well. And, you know, as Taryn said, he, he's just got to get the, uh, and, you know, we've ragged on Buffalo plenty on this, but he's got to get the Buffalo out of him. He really does. Um, get that part of your game out of his game out of him. And I think we're fine. Um, you know, the stuff he said to us on media day about, uh, you know, Taryn asked him about, uh, about the city kind of taking pride in the, in, in people not liking us and hating us. And his reply was, that's perfect. Now think about if a guy like that comes in and gets off to a great start, he will have that fan base eating out of the palm of his hand right away with statements like that and the physical style, style of play, um, and, you know, he, he wants guys, he told us, he wants guys to be afraid of him. And I'm pretty sure that's what the fans want. And probably the coaching staff, too. They want him to be a responsible player, a physical player, and also a player that, as you guys alluded to, they hit with Drew in the game the other night. And that's why you bring a guy in like that, because he's there to, to kind of clean up that type of mess as well. And um, just kind of get that buffalo out of them. Yeah. Jordan, are you still feeling cautious, bud? Um, are you still yeah, feeling I, a little a little trepidatious about it? No, for sure. I, I will say I've noticed the same things in training camp. My quick evaluation of him is when he can connect with the puck carrier, he's really good. Like he knows how to take away the body and totally kill plays. But away from the puck, he, he tends to puck watch at times and then he gets a little lost and you'll see him slow to react. So there are like those moments where I'm like, yeah, that's the, maybe the bad with Rasmus or Salonen, but then the good is the physicality, um, all of that fun stuff. So a little bit of good in bed. I do think the Flyers environment will be much better for him. I feel like he was at a little bit playing out of position at times with Buffalo. So um, not too worried about it but I think there's going to be good and bad. There's going to be times where you shake your head at him. And then there's going to be times where you love the guy. And I think that's going to be probably the case throughout the season at times. Yeah. 
Yeah. I agree. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices for all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Jordan, he's going to hate us. Yes. He's going to hate us now. I, I hope he's not listening to this. No. Uh... <laughs> well, how about no his, one tell uh, him. On, on our media day interview, Taryn, when you said to him about the you had mentioned to I said, what about- is your favorite cliche? What is your favorite? I looked over the video yesterday. What is your favorite? I, the first question I asked all your players, what is your favorite cliche to give to the media when you don't feel like talking to us? And Rasmus and you, said, you reference I don't the media anything. in Buffalo. I don't, I don't, I don't say anything because they don't talk to me because they know I don't like them. And I said, can you please like us? We promise we won't be too mean. And he yeah. said, you guys are okay for now. And I was like, oh my God, okay. He's terrifying. He's terrifying. Okay, Jordan, I'm sorry. Move on. No, it's, yeah, he's a big dude. Uh, but he's been fun. He's like a fun guy that doesn't talk much. He's obviously Finnish. Um, English language. Is he not talks. Him. He talks and he's scary. He talked to me yeah. and it was scary. I was scared. <laughs> he was nice, but I was very intimidated. Like, I was very scared. His eyes, when Taryn said that pe- we pride ourselves on people that don't not liking us, they don't, you know, we're proud of that. His eyes lit up. Like, yeah. yeah, that's that's what I'm all about. Yeah, yeah, he'll be. He fun looks like it. a White Walker. Like he looks like a White Walker. Not like like well, physically a little bit, but like the vibe he gives off is like a little bit icy, and is just like I I will like he's on the boat, conjure away. an icicle and stab you with it. Like it's that vibe. Like he's you on know? the boat, that's floating okay. away, staring down Jon Snow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> rather have him with you than against you. You know, right? It's the truth. And he was, and he did, he was nice to us and he does have positives. And I hope that's what he hears about this interview. Yes. Well, shifting gears to players that have not impressed us as much and maybe players that we're looking more, uh, looking to get more from. Uh, Taryn, I will start with you. A player that maybe has underwhelmed a little bit in your eyes. I think we're probably all going to have a similar train of thought here, but um, and I'm going to give him time he's coming off of the longest pause he's ever had in his hockey career but Morgan Frost man like I I just think that I 
I think that people don't realize how difficult that time away from hockey was for him and, and how much readjustment it does take when you're working your way back into a team that's full of new players as well. Um, so I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, but I, I just want to see him be more proactive. Like when I asked Elaine Vino <clears throat> at training camp the other day, I think my question was something along the line of, you know, you say you need to see more from Morgan. What specifically is more? What do you want him to show you? And he kind of wouldn't uh, directly answer the question. He sort of gave me, you know, the classic kind of AV PR spin a little bit where it was, um, you know, I, I just need to, I just want him to prove himself over these next handful of preseason games, which I think says to me that he needs to see him do better than he's done essentially across a lot of areas. Uh, I just don't think, I think the opportunity is so there for him, especially with Kevin Hayes out to, to play those top six minutes potentially. And he really needs to not just earn it, but go grab it and take it and take ownership of it. If he wants to establish a long-term role with the big club. And I don't think that he has, I, I think that the same issue that he's had in the past, the NHL level seems to be the issue this training camp where early there's a splash and then it kind of peters off and you're you just want to notice them more. The, the way we talk about Joel is noticeable almost every shift. You don't, you need, you need that from Morgan and just haven't seen it yet, but you hope that maybe he's just reacclimating to playing really period nonetheless at this speed that he hasn't played at a ton throughout his career so yeah you want to see more from Morgan because they're going to need more from Morgan that first month that Kevin Hayes isn't available yeah very fair um and I, like you said I think all three of us can probably agree we would like to see more from Morgan Frost um in the position that he's in Joe how about you I I think Morgan Frost was also on your mind as well yeah um and I'm going to go back to when we talked to him at media day uh, it was right after the Kevin Hayes injury was um, announced. And, um, you know, he admitted to us that there was more, it was more of a now's the time sort of thing because of that injury. Um, I don't think that's really translated to the ice uh, yet. And I think that's the part that's, um, that's a little troublesome. Um, you you want to see him kind of burst off the screen at times. I mean, no one can do that all the time, but, you want to see that. And I just don't think we have, I mean, uh, particularly offensively, you don't want to see, I mean, of course we want to see him be responsible defensively, but Morgan Frost is not the type of player where defense is the thing we're focusing on. We want to see the offensive skill and, you know, the, the things that make him a top six forward um, one day in his NHL career. And I just feel like that hasn't, um, that hasn't transpired as of yet. And as Taryn mentioned, I mean, he's coming off a long, long layoff. Um, he looks bigger physically. Um, so maybe it's him getting used to kind of carrying that extra as far as his physique goes, um, because, you know, sometimes that changes the way you play. So maybe, maybe a lot of, maybe a little bit of all these factors combined is the reason for this. But again, uh, he might have to do this on the NHL level to start this season because of an injury to Kevin Hayes. So, you know, and if he doesn't do it, I don't think he's going to be out there. 
So I, I definitely think he has to show some more. Um, of course, there's not much of camp left. I mean, the season starts next week. So you'd like to see something from him in the early part of the season, assuming he makes the squad and is playing in the early games. You'd really like to see something uh, jump off the screen from Morgan Frost. Yeah, it's tough. I was thinking about it last night uh, as I saw, he, you know, he went scoreless in his third preseason game. He's now scoreless through three preseason games. And I'm like, man, it's a tough spot because he's literally being put in there to say, hey, you got to put up points. And like you're pressing so much to think I got to produce goals. I got to either make a goal or score a goal. And if I don't like my whole game was not not what the, the management and coaching staff wanted to see. Whereas like the bottom six grinders, those guys vying for depth spots, they can do little things and have a really good game. You know, they don't have to put up a point. They don't have to create a goal. They can maybe block a shot or kill a penalty. And it's like, hey, that was a really nice night for you. But at the same time, you can reverse that. Like those bottom six guys would love to be placed in a top six spot with NHL wingers and being asked to produce offense. They would love to be on a power play. Um, so you, like, you, you can't have it both ways where like Morgan Frost is being put in a top six spot. He's playing between James Van Riemsdyk and Joel Farabee. On Monday night, he was between Cam Atkinson and Oscar Lindblom. Like he's been put on power plays. The team is putting him in a spot to accentuate his strengths and that's produce offense and goals. And he hasn't done it yet. And I don't think that's going to, I don't know if that's going to derail his spot in the opening night lineup. I think he's still the front runner, but at the same time, like I would keep an eye on Connor Bonneman, a guy that might be able to creep into the picture and give the Flyers more depth down the middle and maybe have Morgan go to Lehigh Valley and, and, and play in bigger roles and produce offense and create his confidence there. I do think it's something the Flyers are going to keep a real, real close eye on to start the season um, and really the rest of the preseason. I don't, I don't know if Morgan Frost is going to get another game. I think he probably will. Uh, but the fact is he's in a spot to, to produce offense and he just hasn't done it yet. We can say all we want about, Hey, he hasn't hurt them defensively and he hasn't, he's been real sound. He's been fine. He hasn't hurt them, but how much has he helped them? And uh, he's in there. And, and Bunneman's getting another look tonight for what it's worth. Bunneman's playing yeah. up in that, that game against the Islanders which makes you wonder if they're like, all right, let's take another hard look at this kid. Thing that uh, the thing that Jordan I think is like the disappointing thing with Morgan in these preseason games. I think Morgan's problem has been always will be, and I know we were talking about it us and all the beat writers the other day when, when we were waiting for the media interviews to start. Was that Morgan seems when he's not thinking, when he's just playing, plays his best hockey. And then he gets in his own head as things go wrong or things don't go the way he anticipated. And then it compounds and then he struggles. And then the wheels are turning and he's playing a step behind because he's thinking about everything and he's not just naturally doing. He doesn't have that like NHL speed instinct. He has it, but, but he loses it. And he stops playing with his instincts and with his natural abilities and starts playing with his brain more. And I think his mind gets in his own way. The problem for me is, is that this preseason should have been a mindless thing, aside from the fact that he is coming back from an injury. That is a huge caveat in all of this. But essentially, the position's yours to lose. These are preseason games that aren't of true consequence other than to your, your individual performance. And you're playing with high-skilled guys. In a, like, essentially, you are gift-wrapped exactly what you need to succeed in a situation in which if the team loses, it's not like points are now on your shoulders. It's just about your ability to earn your position. 
So it should be an, a situation in which he, he shouldn't have to think too much. And I would imagine that if I'm the coaching staff that I've talked to him about, get out of your own way for these, for these handful of preseason games. It's the best thing you can do. Just play. Just let yourself play hockey. Based on what I know about what Morgan's done and what the coaching staff has talked to me about what Morgan does and how he plays and how he ha- like what his issues are, I would imagine they had that conversation. And it still seems like maybe it's the fact that he hasn't caused points, hasn't produced points. Seems like he hasn't gotten quite out of his way yet, which stinks because if you're not going to get out of your own way in preseason games, how are you going to get out of your own way when the games start to mean something? And what's the, there's some crazy stat that teams that are more than what, like four points out of a position, a playoff position at the end of November, generally never make the playoffs. Like it's, it's super hard to make the playoffs. Like early games do matter. And they've, they've historically bit the flyers in the butt in recent years. So it's not like AV is going to let this team fall behind early. I just don't think he's going to allow it if he can prevent it, but we know he likes Bunneman. And we know Bunneman can be serviceable for at least an extended period of time till, he, till uh, Hayes gets back. And it's starting to look like a position that should be Morgan Frost, might not be so easily Morgan Frost. I don't know. It, it's the, the tough part for me is that it's, it's a mental block for him. And there should be no mental block in the preseason when it comes to this stuff, except for, except for giant asterisks coming back from that injury. I, I do think we don't consider that quite enough, but yeah, tough to watch it. hundred percent. And I think the Flyers will exercise patience um, as they should 22 year old kid uh, before his preseason opener in Boston at TD garden, he had gone 560 plus days um, with only two NHL games. And it was the two games obviously that he played before getting hurt. So as Taryn mentioned, has gone a long time without playing games, and I'm not going to overreact to three preseason games. If it's the regular season, you see three-game scoring droughts for a lot of players. It happens. You bounce back from it. But preseason is short. It's a time to shine. It's a time to win jobs or lose jobs. Would It would really be beautiful to see him produce some offense, um, and we'll see how it develops. But shifting gears to our final topic, and we'll keep it kind of quick, um, one – roster battle that we're still keeping an eye on uh the rest of the way over these final two preseason games maybe a roster battle or a lineup battle um it could be an extra forward spot extra d spot taryn hatcher what what, what about you what are you thinking i mean bunham and frost is really my number one we've talked about it a lot i think it's not really like a roster battle but the other spot i'm i'm really keeping an eye on is the coley position because cardo looks great and martin jones does not um, and I know he played like deep, like well ish the other night, but that's after like a really bad, <laughs> really bad showing the time before that. Uh, and maybe he just needs to get his skates underneath of him and get reacclimated to playing and nonetheless playing for a new team. But not, not a roster battle. It's a spot I'm keeping an eye on is, um, you need Carter Hart to be as good as he's been, and you need Martin Jones to be better than he's been. And uh, again, well, there's so much to base it on. I don't want to, you know, oversell anything, which is, you know, what we do in the preseason. But <clears throat> I want to see more from Martin Jones. That's that's my short and sweet answer to that question. Yeah, goalie, goalie position is definitely something to keep an eye on for sure. Um, a guy I wanted to mention. 
uh, and more to show, more to prove. I, I would say if I could, if we could not, uh, if I could go somewhere else other than Morgan Frost, maybe be Adam Clendenning. He's a guy I thought would really vie for that seventh defenseman spot. I haven't really noticed him a whole lot. I feel like Nick Sealer has been a lot more noticeable. He does a lot more things you want out of a seventh D. I thought Cam York's been even better. Cam York's only played one preseason game entering Tuesday night. Um, and I thought he was way better. Uh, so Clendenning hasn't really done a whole lot for me. I thought he'd be in the picture, but I think he's more on the outside looking in. Um, so that's one thing I'm looking at is the seventh D and the 13th forward uh, could come down to Connor Bunneman at the forward spot. Um, or maybe Bunneman is going to be in the opening night lineup. You never know. Um, so those are two things that are, I'm kind of keeping an eye on to see uh, where the team goes for those. So those, for those depth roles, Joe Forrest, how about you? Yeah, so I don't know that mine's a training camp battle in terms of one guy makes the roster and one guy doesn't, but more so the, the whole Derek Broussard, Nate Thompson, probably vying for that fourth-line center position. Um, because what I know of Derek Broussard is he's not a fourth-line player, but on this team, that's probably his role. And, you know, I kind of – I'm kind of – don't know what to think about a guy that's not used to playing with fourth line players, playing with fourth line players. Whereas Nate Thompson is your prototypical checking line, fourth line player. He's done it for this team as well. Um, but I, I don't, again, we've talked about this before when they signed Derek Broussard, I don't think they signed Derek Broussard to come in here and maybe play or, you know, be unsure about his role. He has a history with the coach. Um, and, you know, he's a veteran player that, I'm not going to say he doesn't need this. He does, you know, maybe he does need to play, but he doesn't need to settle for an uncertain role because I'm sure there'd be other teams that would be interested. So that's the, the one I have my eyes on because um, while I think it'll be Derek Broussard playing most games, I'm kind of interested to see uh, because, you know, it, it's not too long ago, Derek Broussard was a top six forward for teams that were in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested to see that. Can I, can I throw a little twisty do in here? Because Derek Broussard has looked very good at camp. Like, I think he stood out most days to me amongst the forward group, period. Not just, like, players that might be, you know, fourth liners versus, you know, uh, potential healthy scratches. I, I think if Bunneman comes in and plays bad, and if uh, Morgan comes in and can't hack it, I would not be shocked to see Derek Broussard temporarily slotted in as, like, the second-line center. I would not at all. And I, I don't know if I'm just blowing him up too much from camp, and I may be, but he has looked um, really active, really involved in throughout camp to me. And I'm getting all kinds of app updates as this is happening. So sorry if my screen froze. Um, but Jesus, okay. But um, yeah, Derek has looked very, very. Um, He's looked really proactive. Like the way that I I want to see Morgan be proactive, Derek, but AV tinkers all the time. We know he likes him. Um, and like he was in Cam Atkinson's wedding. So he certainly has, oh my gosh. So he certainly has familiarity with these with some of these players. Um but yeah, I might just be crazy, but I, I would not be shocked to see Derek Broussard climb up the lineup um, 
in a in at least a temporary role. Yeah, many people thought the two lines were interchangeable as the second line, like the Morgan Frost, JVR, Therapy line could have realistically been the third line. And uh, Broussard, Lindblom, Atkinson could have been really the second line. So yeah, I think with Kevin Hayes hurt, um, Derek Broussard really well could be the second line center uh, in many ways, in many aspects until Kevin Hayes comes back. Um, yeah. I said that to somebody else and they said that I was like on something. And I was like, I don't know why you think I'm on something. I think that's really like probably what's going to happen. Yeah, 100%. I really do. It's, it's funny. You said that about when you brought Connor Bonneman up, people looked at you like you were crazy. And then we talked about it on the podcast and he brings up Connor Bonneman again last night. So, I mean, yeah, I, I no. mean, I'm just saying, I, I think um, other than Sean Couturier, Derek Broussard has looked like the best center on the team. Yeah, no, he's been really good. Oh. Could not agree more. He looks like a pro. He looks, he looks like the part um, that I think a lot of people were expecting. So uh, good thing the Flyers went out and got him. They got him, I think like a month after free agency started. So uh, they, they wanted to add some more depth. And I think we're seeing uh, it paying off with the unexpected Kevin Hayes injury. So the Flyers do have depth down the middle and they'll have to use it. But this yeah. was fun, guys. It was fun catching up. Uh, two more preseason games before that October 15th regular season opener where you can watch Taryn Hatcher on pre and post game live. Those shows are produced by our very own Joe Fordyce. It's going to be a blast. We cannot wait. And we'll have plenty more to talk about uh, as that opener gets closer. But Taryn Hatcher and Joe Fordyce, Thank you so much as always. A big thank you to our podcast guru, our podcast guru, and Barry and uh, Flyers fans. As always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.